hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wildbo's most shortest work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Judgment 1611. But before then, did you know we're about to do a 24-hour live stream, Elliot? Wait, really? I know, right? I'm surprised too. <laughs> what I'm not surprised by is the fact that there's going to be great segments there. Yes, I'm surprised by the concept, but not surprised by the details. That's how it works. Yeah, uh, and so today's segment that we're highlighting is, uh, well, it's kind of two. We're, we're going to quickly talk about the fan art and fan fiction uh, segments that we're going to do, where we're basically just going to look at, at what's out there and and talk about it with the audience uh, for half an hour each. Yeah, the part I'm most excited for is there's a lot of really good fan art, a lot of really great fan art, and I think there's like three fan fictions, and so we're probably going to do some live reading and basically do a little mini deep impact on some of these fan fics, <laughs> I think. Yeah, um, that'd be cool. Uh, but the thing is, we you know we've we've started looking mostly Ruben. I'm still trying mm-hmm. to avoid the the wider packed stuff uh, as we hit the end, but um. We, we've made a Google form, which you'll find in the show notes, uh, which is where you can submit any fan fiction or fan art that, that you want us to highlight. So if you've got a particular favorite, uh, whether you made it or not, uh, send it through in this form and that pretty much guarantees that we'll get to take a look at it. Yeah, totally. The form will be linked down in the description. Send it through to us and we will take a look at it on the live stream. Yeah. Now on with the show, because this chapter gets pretty intense, Elliot. Um, <laughs> it begins intense and it gets even more intense. The start of this is Blake facing down uh, Barbahanas Salagon, which is the combined name for Barbatorum Johannes, uh, Faisal, and the dragon. Yeah, uh, it, it rolls off the tongue. Um, yeah, I, like, I mean, obviously, this chapter just kind of opens with Blake realizing there's nowhere he can run. So what does he do? He just runs at them. Um, yeah. Can't because run away. Hmm. What's well, an <laughs> yeah. alternate? It's um, it's the most Blake move ever, and what I love about it is it still works. Like, yeah, you kind of get the impression the barber saw this general idea coming, but uh, Blake does so well with it. Yeah, Barbie would have to be pretty stupid to not realize that Blake's general mo is run towards conflict. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, no, it does work. It's great. Like we get this fight sequence, and it's clear during this fight that Blake is becoming more and more aware of. The kind of weaknesses that Barbatorum has. Um, so one example is Barbie kind of in order to get the dragon to listen to him, to follow his orders when he's not, you know, a giant, was he had to cut away some of the bloodthirstiness of the dragon. And so this allows Blake to take some opportunities to do some cool things, right? He's kind of getting his ha- head around the concept that when Barbatorum cuts, he-, he doesn't necessarily make the cleanest cuts. Yeah, and he also starts immediately um, as soon as he's within reach because, of course, he didn't really charge the dragon; he charged the demon. Yeah, um, and he starts kind of going for the body because he's and these are both sort of you know things that we we can start to or we can see how Blake's putting them together because yeah. of how the previous chapters have gone. Like the fact that he's targeting the Johanna's parts is just you know we saw last chapter like that makes so much sense. Um, I particularly love that he targets the voice box because obviously last chapter was so dominated by uh, the barber's newfound ability to use Johannes's words. Um, like that yeah. was so powerful. And then uh, also when Blake was a boogeyman, he lost his voice box a couple of times. Yes. And those were, I, I think there were two times that I can remember and they were both very important for what was going on. And, and yeah. you know, this is the three beat of... of uh, possessed people losing their voice boxes in Blake's life. Yeah, I think actually there was a time when Barbie was the one who was crushing Blake's throat 
And so I think Blake is taking his moment to do some turnabout here, which is quite nice. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. There was one in the library. I don't even know if I was counting that. I think there's like two in Arc 13. Yes. Um, this might be the fourth time. But yeah, like it's definitely, it's been a recurring thought. And, and when Blake had lost his voice, there was stuff he couldn't do. And just the idea that the barber has been so much more powerful thanks to this voice. As soon as Blake started just scratching for his throat, I was like, oh, that's yeah, it's genius. Play. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and they get into this weird kind of Mexican standoff, right, where Barbie has mm. both hands on his shears, which he's kind of using to to drive forward and into Blake. And Blake has got one hand holding up the hyena to stop these shears from closing on him, and the other hand kind of around Barbie's throat to choke him. And they get into the situation where if either of them move their hands, they're kind of ceding a bigger advantage to the other. So they're both kind of stuck, frozen in this moment that seems to last for a really long time. Yeah, like sort of by word count, it, it I think it's about a quarter of the chapter. Um, I mean, that's including because they do sort of break from this in a sec and then like they sort of end up hugging for a while. Um, yeah, they, they and, make and- up. Father and son make up. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, what happens is the hyena gets like a bit more of a haircut Um and Blake sort of forces himself into the barber to kind of restrict both their arms so that the standoff sort of in, in spirit continues. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, yeah, like, I, I think I count this as a win because the barber does sort of get out of it eventually by yeah. taking over a lot more of Johannes. Like, there's this weird bit where, like, a thousand leeches kind of course through yeah. Johannes's body, which was very unsettling. Moment, but, um, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> But, like, again, like, the whole point here is they've got to weaken the Johannes part of him, and so the barber being forced to do that, I was like, okay, you know, Blake's screwed right now, but, you know, net gain, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It feels like for the first time they're actually making headway against Barbatorum, and we'll see that actually they make a, he- a shit ton of headway this chapter. Um, we'll get to yeah. um, So this standoff is kind of broken as Barbie is, is starting to overpower Blake, uh, but before he can, he, he kind of starts commanding the dragon again, but before it can jump into action and burn Blake, Green Eyes kind of lunges on it and starts basically beating the shit out of it. <laughs> um, I love, there's like this small line just before Green Eyes attacks the dragon where he does look over and see her and he notes how scared she looks. Yeah. And he actually ties it to the dragon as like, a, oh, you know, she did get burnt by it and she's still kind of healing from that so of course she's she's scared and i really like this because then it makes that moment where she leaps to save blake um from the dragon like even more heroic yeah um i i mean also like she could have looked afraid because of like the whole situation that's happening right now um (laughs) including a lot of reasons to be afraid here yeah even for green eyes like blake was kind of being torn apart by the barber at this point this is when the barber's kind of pushing him down with the shears and like snapping his twigs and rose's bones yeah um so yeah there's like a lot of reasons green eyes could have been scared but i like i i like to go with blake's gut um on this and say it was the dragon because it makes what she does here even more heroic yeah yeah she does well um there's a there's a funny moment where mags asks buttsack to go in and help and he refuses and it's this funniest thing because he's so right like his 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 attitude is why would i do this like i'd rather be forsworn than attack barbatorum and mags clearly can't 
come up with a good response to this because it's obviously the correct choice. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like it sort of goes in, um, like I love it. It, it almost felt like an intentional Pokemon reference because Mags, you know, has them in the little bits of paper, and you just hear like "Go, butt sack," <laughs> and then he's just like, "Not." Yeah, you need no, a I'm higher level it. gym badge there, Mags. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and like as you said, like he's totally right. Like we we early in the story, we kept hearing how awful it was to be forsworn because yeah. you lose so many protections but um like demons fuck you up i think even more intrinsically like yeah you're right i i kind of feel like buttsack probably has a point where he's like call me forsworn it's better than going toe-to-toe with a demon yeah i, I like that mags doesn't call him forsworn not that we see at least because <laughs> if i was mags i'd be like yeah fair yeah. play man <laughs> fair May enough as well keep him keep him bound as well he's yeah. he might be useful later yeah but, totally. uh, yeah um so yeah uh then we get this moment where blake basically rushes after green eyes to attack the dragon rather than pursuing the advantage over barbatorum and it's kind of the perfect example of blake finally is at this point where he's prioritizing the things that he actually cares about over you know sacrificing himself for the tactical game yeah yeah i mean he sort of specifically opens this by saying like i've got to go for her like the dragon is a nice bonus but my first priority is protecting green eyes yeah um like it made me wonder if you know how like because he's given away all his human connections and so really he only has his other base ones left yeah i wonder if it's like you know like when you lose one of your senses like if you if you go blind or deaf or something and Mm. your other sentence senses sort of heighten Mm. i wonder if there was like a similar sort of effect where um the connections that he's still got have now become like vastly more important uh to him because you know they're there's less of them to define himself by yeah i can see that like he's given away his human connections so the remaining connections are strengthened i think that makes sense and it seems consistent with how he's been acting yeah even if they're not strengthened they'd be strengthened relative to him right like he's gotten weaker and those connections take up a bigger part of him his self now you know Mm. like like so relative to him they're stronger but maybe in the real world he's just weaker yeah true that that also is the maybe more depressing read on it um let's talk about the idea that he you know he goes after green eyes rather than goes after barbie because it's good like it's good that he's no longer 100 percent about the mission right like it's good that he is that he's putting some of his own personal goals at least slightly higher up than he would before but i also kind of feel like he's doing this at not a great time. I mean, like, <laughs> it, like Blake, if you were going to stop being self-sacrificing at one point, the, this is not the point to have done it. You should have done Arc it seven. literally every other point <laughs> other than this, you know? Um, yeah, I, I mean, in saying that, though, I don't, I don't think this is completely yeah. new behavior. Like, don't get me wrong, this is definitely not something Arc 13 Blake uh, would have done. Yes. Um, but, like, fuck that guy. Um, but if you go back to, like, Toronto, I think... Blake's problem was more keeping his allies out of these situations than mm. it was helping them in them. Yeah, um, like true. I could see early early story Blake making this kind of thing where he's like, "Oh, I've got to go help Alexis. She's she's the top priority." Sure, and- I, I guess I'm more putting it on the same level as what he did with Evan, where he was like, "No, Evan, actually, I'd rather have you safe than be used as a strategic tool." You know? Yeah, yeah. But I think, like, if anything, hopefully it's it's a bit of a return to original Blake like rather mm. than like a, a new thing he's doing yeah which like, like regardless of which one of those it is this is still a great improvement over like arc 13 blake um yes. so it is nice to yes, see him sort of prioritizing <laughs> that regardless of whether it's returning to his original sort of priorities or yeah. you know in, like just growth 
Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, I think I, the other thing to, to sort of bring up here is when Blake and Barbatorum are hugging, um, he has that moment where he sort of apologizes to Rose because uh, the dragon's about to breathe fire on uh, the barber and him. And yeah. he's like, sorry, like, you know, I'm going to kill us both, but it's hopefully going to take out the barber. Yeah. And Rose doesn't fight it like at all. Um, yeah. And I, I guess while we're talking about how proud we are of Blake for some of that stuff, I, I think as well, like early story Rose maybe wouldn't have been as okay with that. Um, yeah, definitely. Like in Collateral, when Conquest first sort of kidnapped her and she was like, Blake, I'm not the sort of person who's going to be like, oh, just go on without me. Like she, she wanted him to save her. Yeah. Uh, and this, this feels like a bit different to that. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's interesting. They both, I think, kind of have recognized like, yeah, we're we're in a bad enough situation that maybe neither of us is going to make it out. Yeah, it's just like I think I think we've got two examples here of how both of them have have grown, mm. um, which is good. Like I still I still feel like it's too optimistic to expect both of them to make it out of the next three chapters. Um, but like I think they've both made such good progress. I'm going to yeah. be bummed for whichever ones we lose. Well, yeah, we do lose most of Blake this chapter, right? That's that's true although it goes two rows yeah so, you know. yeah not the worst um so barbie kind of continues to practice uh using johannes's ability to practice he's spreading the fire further and blake and green eyes have to pounce off of the dragon before they can be burned alive yeah um i mean i don't really have anything to say here except it's cool i guess like it, yeah. it's hard with these bits for the podcast because there's so much we can say without just like reading out the action but it is it yeah. is great action i love all the little details like how a dragon defends itself from people on its back by just like blowing fire up and all over itself <laughs> yeah um good strategy good strategy yeah like it, it's it's very fun to read yeah yeah no it's good um, actually there's a, there's a bit during this action that I really liked that we can talk about, which is where Barbie basically tries the whole, like, no, no, I'm Johannes. This is the right thing to do. Let me convince you thing again. And it's like, uh, <laughs> surely nobody is even close to buying this. I don't understand what the goal of Barbara Harness is here other than to just kind of reinforce to the spirits. Yes, I'm Johannes. Believe it, you know? Yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. And, and I think the whole thing here is like it, it it is johannes yeah on on sure. some level um and so like I, I feel like for whatever reason the barber has decided to let that part express itself or maybe he doesn't get so much of a choice because the way he's possessing him i don't know um like I, I guess something we didn't really talk about last chapter but like with the barber inside him i wonder if you, you know how we've sort of seen johannes do a bit of a 180 on everything he believes in um like i wonder if while he's in there the barber through his radiation or whatever has kind of ruined johannes's psyche uh, like is is the uh, like doesn't feel like the right way to phrase it but you know it's like if you sort of have this organized person inside like if if we look at rose and she was all these ordered memories and and stuff when blake was inside her and, and there was a sort of structure to her being presumably mm. the barber disrupts that mm. so i wonder if like part of it is like the barber has taken johannes morphed him into something that better fits the barber's motivations and that's partially why we're seeing something that still counts as johannes but is so different to the johannes we knew it's not just the barber in him but it's the effect the passive effect the barber's having on him i don't maybe yeah. that's not a distinction worth making yeah but, it's yeah. to me it's kind of like 
could we ever really still call this Johannes? Like, regardless of what the spirits may think, regardless of the <laughs> fact that he's wearing Johannes's body, well, like the he's spirits so, are dumb assholes. Yeah, like, so we don't need to put too much credit. He's, into he's that. clearly <laughs> so perverted from the Johannes that we know, and the Johannes that we know wasn't necessarily like a hundred percent in the right kind of guy. But <laughs> this is so obviously beyond that that it's just like it's arbitrary for us to say is this Johannes or not? Because regardless of whether it's technically Johannes, it's so far from Johannes that it's not even worth it you know well well, yeah and the um i mean the spirits catch up to that by the end of the chapter i suppose yeah it takes takes them a while um so blake realizes like you know i don't have the i don't have the stuff to deal with this um specifically rose tries to get him to summon some friends and blake's like no i can't practice you've got to do it and so he kind of withdraws into himself for rose to take over but she doesn't not yet um they have a bit of a brief parlay first (laughs) uh this was so cool like i just kind of assumed it was going to be swapsies and i was excited for that but like getting to see these two have what i think might be their last direct chat oh no actually no because they can both seemingly kind of talk yeah um after this but uh yeah yeah i like this this whole bit is so exciting the action was great don't get me wrong like i I love the action impact but just when blake goes into himself to have a chat with rose somehow i'm like oh this is even more exciting (laughs) yeah no it's good isn't it um the reason that rose can't come out is i mean blake makes mention that he's only got what 25 percent of his himself left and rose isn't doing much better so they're not at the point where either of them can be at 100 percent um and rose's basic point is like you know one of us needs to go back out there and i i I think it should be me so basically give me the last dregs of your humanity so that it can power me up and i can go back out without just kind of writhing around in pain (laughs) yeah in fact i I just want to read this bit out because like i i I just love it so much um so basically what's happening just before this is rose is kind of rambling on about like all this stuff and how awful it's going to be and blake just sort of interrupts her and he's like spit it out rose and she just responds, your humanity, I need some of it, maybe most of it. And Blake just immediately responds, take it. And she just kind of stares at him and then he's like, take it. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, I just started laughing when I read this. I was like, this is just the most Blake and Rose interaction of all time. He doesn't even hesitate. And of course he doesn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially he's given up his human connections. He doesn't really have any reason to hold on to his humanity um, here. And it, like... I don't know. It's like, it's just, it's such a big moment. He he gives away like literally everything human about himself and does, doesn't even hesitate. It's so Blake and I hate it and I love it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is so Blake, right? It's a continuation of this giving up the human aspects of himself. He is now completely removed from the human world, uh, but not in a way where it's, it's interesting. It's sad. Yes, but it's not tragic right it's not like he's doing Mm. this you know unintentionally turning into a monster he's doing this to stop the monsters to hold up that purest ideal of what he and evan are trying to be which i think is great well and yeah like like even then just just in the abstract blake giving up his humanity like this i'm not even comfortable saying i think it's a net good or a net bad thing because he'd already given up his human connections like he's still an other like this this will presumably maybe help him in in existing with green eyes and evan like I, I i don't know what to make of it and that's what i love about this is i'm just kind of sitting here and i'm like i can't even process this i'm here a few days later i've been sitting on it for over 24 hours and i'm still like i don't know how i feel about this and yeah like, that's that's what you want i think like out of a out of a story like this is something that challenges you so much you don't even know how to process it 
Yeah, it has interesting implications, right? Um, the, my yeah. favorite of the implications that gets solved for us immediately, but is still fun to think about is, well, what will Blake be now? <laughs> and he has this moment of like, well, I could be whatever shape I want to be. And he thinks about it for a moment. We'll find out what it is. But it's such an interesting, like thing to just drop on us you know th- there's these two or three paragraphs where I, my my mind was literally spinning with the idea of wait what is blake gonna actually look like <laughs> if he could look like any kind of thing i mean i don't think there was any doubt that it was going to involve having wings <laughs> yes um, fair enough <laughs> like uh i actually expected him to just take the form of a bird mm. um and then i was picturing like you know the epilogue just being you know sparrow bros blake and evan um off to save the day but it's it, like yeah. I, it's so much cooler than that like I, I was just picturing a bird but um we go somewhere even more packed and, and even more uh, weird with it and i love that yeah yeah because um you know rose has taken control of the body and and kicks out blake and blake without his humanity decides to take the form of a pair of wings a kind of abstract <laughs> pair of wings that he equips to rose and now she has the ability to fly um and she starts summoning some boogeyman help yeah um i mean this is just it's perfect right um blake is literally like become rose's guardian angel he's like supporting yeah. her and transporting yeah. her around i mean that's what he was originally designed to do somehow we've ended up kind of back where we started with yeah. Blake um being in a position to just help Rose achieve her mission. Yeah. Um you know, Blake didn't quite get to fly, but he gets to help other other people fly and and that's sort of the tragedy of Blake, I guess. I like I just I love this. Yeah. Yeah, it it puts me in mind of when Blake got his wings and they were just a bit too shitty so that they couldn't let him fly by himself. Um, this yeah. is kind of the extension of that. He, again, is a pair of wings. And, you know, what is the ability to fly if you're not, like, a thing? <laughs> like, you know, the ability <laughs> to fly in and of itself isn't cool. It's the fact that I, as a human, could fly that would be cool. So he can't ever be the full piece of the puzzle, but he's he's able to get people there, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the just the, the writing as this sort of happens when, when Blake and Rose do this transfer of Blake's humanities is fantastic like rose mm. reaches out with like conquest vines and kind of yanks his form off of him it's just like this whole bit where they and then their body starts to fall and he turns into the wings it's yeah like again we need a visual adaptation of this story yeah what would that even look like i feel like that's the kind of thing that can only look good in your head and if they turn <laughs> yeah, maybe. into a, you know an anime <laughs> it'll just end up looking a bit weird um that that's fair it is great though like they they're 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 split apart they're back in kind of two separate bodies but they're clearly putting on their strongest showing of like yes we're allied in our desire to overcome this thing yes like this is a very explicit and external uh sort of symbol of how much they're still working together which is great like the possession was kind of tearing them apart this seems more sustainable than that and is is just so visually um cool yeah. Although yeah. we do get some notes on how Rose is doing, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean it's not good. Even with that uh, big boost of Blake, um, she's like, like, you know, Blake notes that she's very pale, thin. Yeah. Um, like she basically looks how everyone kept describing him back when he was in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, best case, this is the absolute best case. Rose was probably best case fifty percent before Blake did this move. And Blake was best case at, at about 25% beforehand. So it, the best case for Rose right now is that she's about 70% of where she needs to be. <laughs> and it could be a lot worse. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I just, I mean, the other thing that's got me thinking is Blake notes how her hair's a bit like lighter and her skin is pale. And we talk later, um, Blake notes explicit just conquest isms on her body, like specifically yeah. the fingers she lost while he was in, like, he was possessing her. Um, she's now, they're just like ivory, like, she's, they're just full conquest. Like, yeah. So the whole idea of her being, including her hair and her skin, paler. Um, while conquest is being represented by white everywhere, has yes. me kind of concerned for how yeah. much uh, being she's seeding there. Like you're talking about how she might be at seventy percent. I'm worried she's boosted herself up to a hundred, but made herself thirty percent conquest to do it, well, which is yeah. a very bad precedent to set. Um, so yeah, between looking conquesty and looking like Arc Five or Six Blake, um, I- I'm worried for where Rose is heading. Yeah. I mean, you know, Blake's a pair of wings, but that's kind of like, you know, it's, it's Blake. <laughs> yeah, that's the best um, we could have hoped for for Blake, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas for, for Rose, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I'm just worried for both of these two at this point, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't feel like that's much of a change from no, the that's past fair. half the story. But, but um, you know, looking like Blake did before he ended up in the abyss doesn't spell good signs for where Rose is heading. Like, that's, yeah. that's not a trajectory you want to be on. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. He's following in Blake's footsteps. Yes. <laughs> They're probably the worst possible footsteps to follow in. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Rose summons a bunch of boogeyman friends. And so there's the, the welder, there's the nurse, and there's Bristles the dog. And I swear to God, they're all so interesting. Like, they, I wish they all had their own, you know, at the very least, at their own histories arc. But... You know, I think they could all carry a spin-off. So, like, I would love to see a spin-off of Bristles. Although, you know, it's never... Like, this is a dog with a bunch of knives and shit sticking out of it. So, it's not going to be a happy story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is just, like... Again, it's one of those fun little details. Like, we get two cool boogeymen. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. This is awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God, there's a dog boogeyman. Yeah, boogie I dog. Love it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> and, wait, Bristles... Bristles is perfect because it's not a cute name but it totally is yeah like bristles is just such a fun name for a dog but also it doesn't really give you the impression that it that it doesn't fit in the abyss you know like i was still like this is a very abyssy name but also it's adorable and i love it yeah this is a bit of a tangent but um i think it's worth bringing up which is that you know elliot you and i have been talking about one of the things that we're doing for this uh 24-hour live stream that's coming up is if we raise enough money we we legally have to get tattoos um and we've kind of had conversations about this and i've been a bit worried that there isn't a good tattoo to get that isn't just evan who is the obvious character <laughs> you would get a tattoo of. But now that we've met Bristles, I'm kind of like, you know what? I could see myself having a Bristles tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we've we've thrown around some other ideas, but maybe we'll save those for the... Yeah, um, save them for the stream. We'll save them for the stream to entice people uh, to, to donate. But um, y- yeah, I, I mean, so obviously I think the other thing we should talk about here before we, before we move on from this scene is after she summons these three and fails to get the faceless woman, um, before Barbatorum cuts her off, Blake... Uh, so Rose kind of sends out this blanket like a- APB to yeah, the abyss. Exactly. Like she just she just she just sort of manages to fit in a like, hey hey, anybody want to come fuck shit up? Yeah. Um, which of course you know it's the abyss, so everyone was probably like, yeah, yeah. So um, therefore, we're gonna get fleshworm <laughs> ex machina at the end of this story. <laughs> uh yeah i mean it would be great if this leads somewhere the barber seems to shut it down but um i suppose if they start if they keep tearing away at the domain maybe the abyss will be able to to get its hooks in um yeah and i definitely get the impression i mean we'll get to this but at the end of this chapter rose kind of revalidates her apb 
yeah yeah maybe um so i guess yeah we'll say i i hope this gets delivered on because it was just such a fun moment of her being like the way the way it's written where she she pulls out the rule of three she's just like hey hey abyss come come wait just do some damage you you love to do this and i was like oh wait this is what we need is just piles of abyss boogeyman fucking shit up yeah 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 totally and it would be so thematically perfect right because obviously yeah. like anyway yeah um <laughs> so yeah so barbie at this point starts getting more and more desperate and goes back to his old trick of like summoning blades everywhere in an attempt to murder these fools which is a very barbatorum thing to do and starts kind of letting on that he is not Faisal, at least to the spirits i think we already <laughs> kind of knew this um rose is on to him at this point and they head towards the throne expecting to find Faisal there and free him yeah, and so I do quickly want to talk about this moment where Rose just kind of drops on us, like, after this other stuff happens, is then just suddenly Rose is like, oh, Faisal must be in dog form yep. for the barber to be controlling him, so yes. we've just got to go find the dog. And it's it's a bit of a turning point where now suddenly there's actually, like, an achievable goal that will very much weaken him. Yeah. Um, And it did just feel a bit to me like it came out of nowhere. Like, I feel like, because we just released, we just unleashed bristles on on mm. the scene and like I, I i've kind of like in my head thought that maybe the idea of a dog on the battlefield is what led rose to this thought but yeah i i don't know i don't know if that maybe could have been a bit more explicit or something because it does just sort of feel like it comes out of nowhere um yeah i don't know yeah i'm trying to be negative but yeah <laughs> yeah fair enough i think the thing to me about this part is it's so clear that Barbatorum is losing the plot, right? Like, it's yeah. so clear. It becomes immediately clear here that not just from summoning these three additional allies, but because of all the blades and because of how Rose is acting, it, he so clearly feels like he's starting to lose. And it's suddenly this moment of, oh, shit, actually, you know, you get the smell of blood and you're like, oh, shit, Barbatorum is actually defeatable here. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then this is obviously, like, this whole bit where they start approaching where, where they've figured out Faisal is. Yeah. Um, like, the barber just starts being more and more Barbary and less Johannes, which just kind of plays into their hands as yes, well. Yes, exactly. Um, can we talk about the the fact that Green Eyes almost gets stabbed here? And she seems to escape, but then Blake is like, oh, man, I hope she's okay. And Rose is like, oh, yeah, we can't worry about her. Let's keep going. And then we don't see her again, this chapter, and, like, that's stressing me out because last time that exact thing happened and it was Alexis and then the next time we saw her was as a ghost. I, no, 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 no. No, yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> right. Fine. I'm wrong about that. You're right, yeah. <laughs> I, no, yeah, I refuse to discuss any any alternatives to her being fine. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. I, I don't know. It, there's definitely, you're right, um, there's, there's de- I feel like that option is definitely left open to us, um. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as, as we mentioned, Rose kind of s- continues challenging Barbie's Johannesness, and the mask is slipping more and more, right? And so they they finally seem like they're about to win. They're about to get to the throne. Barbie's about to have lost his Johannesness and his control over the domain, which, again, I guess we've been talking about as a win, but it's not really a win. It just means he's back to Barbatorum, who is already a big threat. Um, but anyway, they're about to get to that, uh, in air quotes, victory. <laughs> when uh they're bound and they turn around and they see oh shit mrs lewis is here and she's just bound them (laughs) i i do love this because you really feel like the tides are turning like rose is sort of triumphantly just like dodging the blades and she's at the point now where she can just kind of kick them and they shatter because the spirits are on her side so good hey she's making these great points about how he's not johanna's like look what you've done to Faisal, and i was just like fuck yeah this is awesome this is so cool and then they just suddenly stop and it's like the lawyers and it's like well yeah fuck these people are still around aren't they yep um it's 
Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, they finally caught up. It must have taken them a bit to get through the uh, the vestiges at the base of the tower. But they're here now. And actually, Mrs. Lewis says something interesting to them. She says, and you are not going to save the world, which is an interesting thought. I'm not sure if it's her being hyperbolic or like, are the stakes here higher than we thought? Because obviously this is bad for Jacob's Bell. It's bad for the surrounding areas. Um, I think Barbatorum explicitly calls out like, oh, Mags' hometown and Toronto as other places that might be affected. Um, hmm. But it didn't feel world-ending. I mean, although they are using Faisal's gatekeeper powers to, like, summon a bunch of demons, so maybe it is world-ending? I don't know. I guess I I kind of saw it as, yeah, hyperbolic and in a way that isn't, is a bit truthful. Because, yeah, I, I think the stakes yeah. for right now, this fight, everything involving Barbatorum is... Yeah, you know, just just a decent chunk of Canada. Um, you know, not not the world, but that's not nothing. Um, but there's that all that big picture stuff, which is really what Granny Rose and and Rose and Blake are really fighting the lawyers on. Like Rose's whole pitch against the lawyers back in the in the church, or like you know, six chapters ago, yeah. was we can't keep ceding these little bits of ground to the yes. demons. That's how they win. Yeah, and and so I think like. I think the the saving the world thing is that sort of in that big picture sense, and and that's why it's true enough that Miss Lewis can say it. Um, but the stakes maybe for this battle right here, maybe not the world, just you know, a couple of million lives, something something small like that, you know. Yeah, sure. And I guess that's enough to give demons more momentum, which is the real problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or well, that'd be a huge win for the demons, yeah. just taking out a, a chunk of the developed world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mrs. Lewis, uh, they realize, Rose and Blake realize, Mrs. Lewis is actually only binding Blake right now because he's the other, Rose is still a human. So Blake realizes this, uh, after Rose prompts him to realize it, I suppose. And he lets Rose drop and she falls and she kind of kicks through one of these blades, delivering the final symbolic blow to Barbatorum's Johannesness and sits in his throne. And it's this moment of King of the Hill, you know, meet your new queen. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's great. Like there's a there's that sense that we've had a few times in Pact where somebody's like sat where she sits down and there's like this wave that passes over the place as as something happens. Like I remember when Blake jumped out of the uh, police building in arc four or five. Yeah. Um. When wait to make Duncan forsworn and there was like this shock wave. Yeah. That went around. It's another one of those moments. Um. It's. It, yeah, I mean, again, I'm still worried for these two. This is where we get the note about uh, Rose having a conquest hand, and um, Blake is now obviously so other that he can just be bound by some platinum. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I'm very worried for these two, but this is still a very triumphant moment. Yeah, um, and it it reminded me that Rose and Alistair might still be the lord and lady of Jacob's Bell. I mean, they mm. were planning on abdicating the throne, but it didn't seem like that had actually, like, processed, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was kind of under the assumption they still are, like, until whatever the process is of condemning the the territory, ha like, has happened, like, until that's actually happened, I think they're still technically the Lord and Lady, so, like, I think that's probably one of the many factors that's influencing how important it was that she sat in the throne. I mean, the fact that she's now, like, 30% conquest or whatever uh, we were guessing before is probably also a factor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, like, yeah, it... it it's a good sign of, of the direction things are heading in, even with the lawyers here now. Yeah. Um, and they, so it doesn't explicitly say that they've let Faisal free at this point, but it also seems like that was one of the things that this is going to do. I mean, that Faisal is free and maybe he'll, like, be able to do something for once. <laughs> 
Yet knowing him, the start of next chapter will just be him getting killed by something. Yeah, he immediately dies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely agree that it would be weird if he didn't get freed very soon um, at, at this point somehow. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Um, and Ro- yeah, so the final thing Rose does is just say, hey, anybody, come and help um and it's like yeah okay maybe there'll be because you know we had this beat earlier where barbatorum said no this is still my domain people like the the faceless woman aren't going to come and and challenge that but now obviously this isn't his domain anymore so um presumably that means the faceless woman the pizza revenant potentially any other others that are around can uh come back in yeah i mean i just got the impression she was talking to like mags and and page and green eyes and stuff but oh, yeah um... you don't think she's calling out more generally i i didn't i didn't from the text but maybe she was maybe i misread mm. it um i mean it, i I'd, I'd worry whether anyone can get here quickly enough for it to matter yeah um obviously yeah she put out that apb to the abyss so um i don't know yeah like you know we could bring back the library worm i want the library yeah, worm yeah, to come yeah, back yeah, totally. um, pa- paper girl okay because yeah wasn't her whole thing i think blake made her swear that she couldn't hurt another living soul yeah Barbie probably and, doesn't count there. Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. I I, th- I think you can make a case for the lawyers not counting, considering their souls are owned by demons. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, like, oh, Kathy, Kathy's down in the library. Yeah, um, she can she can pop out, see her family. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Wait, I'm I'm just I'm just going through everything we've ever met from the abyss. Yeah. Uh, defenestration boogeyman's still fucking MIA. I, I think he left town, which was the smart play. Uh, Rose had the other. The people from remember when she, when she was in Toronto, she had a bunch of boogeymen. She yeah, there. she had like, didn't she have like a candle guy <laughs> at some point? Yeah, yeah, she had candle guy. She had like Hexus, the black oil guy. I don't remember that um, one, but yeah, Corviday, I think is dead. Dead. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he got like properly murdered. Yeah, I think Blake hyenaed him. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely like I I, I do agree. I think. Something, if there's going to be something that comes in and helps, like, last minute, it would make sense that the thing or things that do this would, would be from the abyss, um, mm. just because of the, the seeds that have been planted here and just the general story. I've talked a lot about how I think the abyss is going to be crucial here. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I just got the impression she was talking to the people around the uh, the stage already, though. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, that's the end of the chapter. It's getting pretty intense. That was our third last chapter, not counting the epilogue. Ah, oh, that's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, we're so we're so close to the end. Um, I can't wait to see how it shapes out. I'm I'm nervous but excited. Yeah. Um. um but, but that'll do us for for Judgment sixteen point uh, eleven. Not yet, Elliot. Not yet, because we have a discussion question that it's time for us to revisit. Um, yeah. We got a lot of great answers to this one. I think this is the most answers we've ever gotten. Yeah, I think it was because... So the discussion question was, what would your domain be like? And it was kind of like... My response to this was just thinking about how I always used to play The Sims and I would design, like, my dream house in The Sims. And that's really (laughs) what this discussion question is, but also your dream house is magic. So it's definitely (laughs) the fun thing to think about. Yeah, and we got so many cool answers. So let's just... Let's just dig into it because I, I do want to try and bring up everyone that we can, but there's yeah, a lot. We there are a lot. This is probably the one we got the most answers to. Uh, absolutely. Um, so first of all, uh, we got one from Sandwich who uh, has taken, do you remember Fell's ancestors face stealing familiar from like Arc 5's into Yes, yes. Um, Man, I like that guy and he's never come back. That's sad. Yeah, well, so that's because he's over with Sandwich. Uh, Sandwich has taken him as a familiar as well. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, 
And, and so Sandwich was just describing this this nice chill uh, domain that's kind of like a fire lit room in an old like Victorian mansion type mm-hmm. thing. And you just you know Sandwich will have people over and they'll chat. And if those people are rude or upset him, then um the face stealer gets to take him out back and add them to his collection. Is this just um, the monastery that Arya Stark goes and trains in to become one of the faceless <laughs> assassins? Is that just what this answer is? I mean, yeah, a little bit actually. It does kind of sound but... like it, Sandwich. Yeah, um, that's that's yeah, that's a good point. Uh, which I mean, you know, great great place to yeah, draw great place inspiration to from. Yeah, they were can, very successful. You can fight that bully girl. <laughs> um, uh, we also got one from the White Duke, mm. who kind of gave two answers because the the White Duke is playing in that um My- Mile End Miles End. It's yeah. a, it's like a packed dice game that I think Wabo himself is running. Mm. Um, I, I've unfortunately avoided all the details until now. Um. So I didn't quite understand anything the White Duke was talking about. There was some, re- like, it, there was some cool imagery relating to like you know the human form and reflections and and stuff that I, I probably didn't appreciate because I don't understand the the setting or the characters um, too well. Uh, hopefully that'll be changing soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but the White Duke's own personal domain was also really cool. Uh, they had the idea for this sort of reflective pool um, in, in what I think was like Australian bushland, um, but like by performing certain little rituals and stepping into the pool you'd sort of come out the other side and mm. it would be a different space and so it's a you know it's a very e- economical way to have a bunch of different layers to your domain that uh the white duke would be able to navigate easily but guests wouldn't see um, i'm i know now i'm just comparing this these answers all to other pieces of media but this really reminds me of um you're gonna say infinity train aren't you no wait no okay no uh, the, I, the chrome car in Infin- Infinity Train. No, I was going to say the wood between the worlds, which is a place in the like, which is the in between space that exists in the Narnia books. So you know you can travel between the kind of multiverse of worlds that exist in that fiction in this kind of woods that has ponds in it that you kind of dive into. Right. Um. Yeah. I, I think like because the White Duke was more describing it's like one pond, and you know it's just like you go through it. And I you end see. Up- yeah. in a different place but then you could go through it again and end up in like a third version of yeah, the space yeah that's cool um, yeah like so it's just it. like one one point like, you know it doesn't make like 3d space sense but it's it's magic so yeah so why point. not yeah you can design <laughs> yeah that's the whole point of this discussion question is design whatever cool thing you want to live in you know um mm. now interestingly we had a response from megafire 7 and this was an interesting answer. I'm, I, I have to admit, I'm not 100% sure what Megafire was getting at, but it sounded like they latched onto the idea of, now, sorry for our more squeamish listeners, they latched onto the idea of kind of most of dust being dead skin cells and then used that to influence their thoughts about what a cool domain could be as a place that kind of stores dead skin cells and turns it into power. It was a bit of a confusing answer that I didn't follow 100%, but it was an interesting core concept that I that I think could make a really fun domain. Uh, like, so my sort of understanding of it was um, Megafire was focusing a bit on how, how you can use domains to gather power and, and yes. stuff, and basically focusing on the fact that people are just dropping free power. Um <laughs> whenever they're there, uh, through their skin cells. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, that's that's kind of the theory about how goblins form, right? Yeah. It was one of the theories about Sackpose. So, like, yeah. Um, yeah, it does you know. feel like a goblin king or goblin queen kind of domain, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I liked this as, as a, just a very different kind of answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, two, two quick ones I want to bring up. Uh, bisexual Punch Party 
just kind of wanted to have a chill place to hang out yeah. um it's basically what you think the knights of the basement would have had like just just a place that wasn't so serious i think bisexual punch parties may be the smartest person to answer this because <laughs> they were just like i don't want to get involved in that heavy shit i just want yeah. a simple place where i can be like ha- like just hang out yeah totally um and and Juanson brings up that they don't want a domain right now because they haven't like they're they're finishing up a master's degree i think they said and they're just not really ready to settle yet and i mean that's a pretty valid point i think the place i'm living in now is not somewhere i'd want to set up a domain yeah um, i don't see this as being where i live for the rest of my life so it's a like it's a good thing to remember is that you are making a lifelong commitment a commitment with the domain here yeah it's kind of wild isn't it and it kind of explains why practitioners and i guess others as well to a lesser extent don't really move around very much is because they must tie themselves down a few people had similar answers to that thinking about the idea of domains that are stationary being basically a completely huge limiting factor um hero of old iron talked about this talked about the idea that it would be hard or impossible to find a place for them that would be like relaxing and recuperative forever so they'd want to try and switch around the ritual move it around so they can kind of have a different version of the domain ritual that allows them to travel around to different places to gain power instead that they then spend at home which would be an interesting twist and maybe there's a kind of non-western culture that has a more nomadic you know analogous domain ritual than this yeah yeah definitely i think but like the whole thing about this right is like like, i think a big reason that domains work and and the practitioners do sort of lock themselves down in them is like so much of the this power in the world of pact and the spirits and like their recognition of your skills and stuff is very localized like i think yes uh, like these two things aren't so separate so something like even if there are sort of nomadic domains like like, you know if you could make like a a van your domain and, and then drive it around i imagine there'd be some price associated with that like it wouldn't be as powerful as a static domain well it's because... interesting you say that because we had a, a listener groby46578 who talked about this exact same thing and decided that they would try and make their domain a camper van and they talked about a number of things like this um the the main way they tried to conceptually get around the idea of not having recurring spirits was that they would have kind of passengers that would travel around with them whether that's spirits or practitioners or others they'd kind of have their i don't want to say groupies because it does define it in a very specific (laughs) way but they'd have their kind of repeated passengers that mean that they would have some cachet but I do think there would be a big risk. And I think the the biggest problem I would see is if you have a domain that's a camper van and you drive it to a new city, right? That's basically mm. inviting people to re-challenge your domain, right? You're basically setting up your domain again in a new city, which I think might not necessarily technically be an open challenge, but would probably invite a lot of challenge from the things that didn't want you to set up without a little bit of a test. Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, the thing is, is the more you... Well, presumably, the more you deviate from the stock standard yeah. domain ritual, the the sort of less firm and less widely recognized it will be. Yes. Like, I think the issue is the more you... Well, the further you journey in the camper van, the more I'd be worried that the other spirits wouldn't recognize the sanctity of something like a camper van as much. Yes. Um. So, like, I think that's the risk you run with these tactics, which, you know, that may be a trade-off you, you want to make, having, like, a, you know half as powerful domain that's mobile that's that might still be worth it as a trade-off but yeah. like it it's a it's a kind of trade-off i think you'd have to make yeah yeah definitely it's an interesting uh, one yeah kipos 21 uh sent in an answer which was like a cool bit of cre- creative writing almost i think kipos is a big uh 
big participant in do the right thing and mm-hmm. that really showed here uh so this this answer was very well written uh i suggest everyone go read it in the 16.8 thread uh but basically kip also had this idea of a bit of a nature-based thing with like you know the the night sky and all these plants um but specifically uh like lots of vines of ivy that kind of mix into and become like computer cords. So it's kind of a, this mm. technology mixed in with the nature and it was meant to try and be this harmonious mix of the two, which yeah. is just a really cool image. Yeah, definitely. It It, it is a very cool image. Um, yeah. I, I like that with a lot of these answers, they just found these ways to make, to carve out spaces that could be theirs, you know? Um, I, th- I think it's a testament to how strong the idea of a domain yes. is. Um, it, especially because as out of like implement familiar and domain, like the sort of big three, I think domain is maybe the most original of the three. Like yeah. I think familiar and implement both borrow a lot from existing kind of uh, magic lore. Yeah, kind and, of and witch domain, or wizard mythology. Yeah, whereas I think domains, you know, there's, there's some stuff there, but I think it's probably the the, the yeah. most the mo- the one that departs the most from yeah. existing law it feels and like it's more it's of just... an abstract connection to existing witch and witch like wiccan mythology that that allows yeah. wild boy to take it in some really interesting directions but the thing is i think it also ties into like you know if i think about an implement i in my day-to-day life there's no actual like fantasy of me saying oh, i wish i had a really cool magic wand that i'd carry around with me everywhere <laughs> you know right and and familiar yeah. maybe like with a pet that you love a lot is kind of analogous but it a domain is something that we as humans kind of inherently have like we have this desire to have a space that is ours and it just the idea of a domain so inherently ties into and and amplifies that in a way that's so interesting yeah well, because it's defining us uh, like your ultimate sort of safe happy yes, place yes exactly basically and yeah. and like i think I, like i think that's why this uh, like a discussion question got so many responses because that's just such a universal thing that i think everyone's wanted to tap into yeah totally um, <laughs> um there was including use- even oh yeah even ace of sword who um was kind of talking about they'd want it to tie into what type of practice they do um yes. interestingly ace of sword wants to be a scourge which yeah. is um yeah it's a bold it's a bold choice no, fair enough i um, guess i mean braver yeah. braver than i am uh that's for sure uh but so ace of sword kind of wanted a place that would complement that uh and they talked about that their dad owns this like apartment in in an in a building that was a monastery got abandoned became a factory was abandoned again <laughs> and then after being dilapidated for a while uh was repurposed into this sort of gated apartment complex yeah and um, they talked about how how much it is it's been changed and repurposed as symbolically tying into the abyss. Yeah. So Ace of Sword wanted to take this apartment, turn it into a domain, um, and and try to emphasize the sort of horror element of the idea of an abandoned factory slash monastery uh, mm. to tie into the horror element of boogeymen. So I thought that was a <laughs> a very cool idea of of integrating your domain into your practitioner persona uh even if it is being a scourge which is a, a bold choice yes it, it's a very interesting uh a goal i think um actually speaking about aspirations Sahibum 7 had an interesting spin on the idea of a domain where they also basically thought well, you know i'm probably not in a place in my life where i want to settle myself down but thinking about a domain i can set it up as a place that kind of defines the person that i want to be and that i want to grow into and so for some mm. this is defined by you know i picture myself in my mid-30s early 40s and i'm well read I, I take a lot of effort investing into understanding the stories of other people so i'd have this kind of library-esque domain which which i thought was all quite nice and then there's this kind of twist in the answer where so 
Hyperman starts talking about how, and my domain would have a secret purpose, which is that everybody who comes along, um, they would have to offer some token power, but I would also collect you know, their stories, and a book would manifest in my library that is a story of their life uh, that I could then <laughs> use to read and understand them. And some of themselves kind of calls it out as being a bit sketchy, but also kind of very much a like an honest assessment of, well, if I was a practitioner, this is probably the neuroses <laughs> that would manifest for itself, which I quite like. Yeah, that's fair. It, it overlapped a lot with, um, like, Jarl Zal uh, mm. submitted a kind of similar one. They wanted to have a library, and basically they referenced the Magnus Archives and said yep, they basically yep. wanted to become John, Jonathan Sims. Yeah, of course, who, um, wouldn't, who wouldn't? Yep, uh, build a, sort of build a library, start to gather things so people could sort of come and, and, and borrow books in mm. exchange for, like, giving power or giving new information yeah. so giving their their story and that sort of thing um it it reminds me a bit of like one chi tong's library from the last yes. Airbender, right you have this yeah. big refuge of knowledge that is kind of protected and you can come and borrow the knowledge because of course taking knowledge only doubles it um but in in exchange you have to leave behind a new piece of knowledge as well right hmm yeah um and and, and so f- i think the final answer we have here is from brawl 97 who talked about wanting again this is sort of someone who looked at what type of practitioner they'd want to be uh and brawl 97 wants to be a host which i guess is something Mm. that was explained outside the main story um but they're a type of practitioner who like eats things and then absorbs their properties so the example brawl 97 gives is like they might eat like sharks and get the ability to swim yeah, um, as, as I understand the power of a host, it's kind of based around the idea of possession. So we kind of touched on there was there was that interlude where there was the football player who was getting possessed by a by a like a something every so often in order to get better at playing football, and then it went wrong. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, uh, Arcto. Yes, uh, the, the interlude. I, yeah. I think that was an example of like lightweight lightweight host practicing, kind of getting influenced by things that possess you. Hmm. Well, yeah, I think I think Brawl ninety seven talked about wanting to take that to an extreme in their domain. So being able to fly and swim using these host powers mm. in their domain, which was going to be this sort of cool swamp area, yeah, um, converted from like an abandoned YMCA yeah. place. Um, the the interesting bit was that Brawl ninety seven wants to somehow create it so that it's decorated with dead people. So that it will attract other <laughs> dead things, so that yeah. that's more yeah. that Brawl ninety seven can consume as a host. Yeah. Which um, okay. I mean, there was there was something about this question that kind of unlocked a lot of people's inner psychopath, which I'm definitely <laughs> like here for. I um, think it's that but, people know if I was going to become a practitioner, this is the part of me that would start to get lost yeah. a bit, <laughs> and, and they're just being our, our our listeners are being very honest with themselves about. Yeah, I'd probably turn into a bit of a psychopath in this way. I'm not claiming that I'd be any better at all. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I just I thought it was funny how there were quite a few answers where I was like, "Oh, that took a dark turn," yeah, which totally. is also very packed. Yeah, exactly. It's great. Who wants it? Who wants an ideal utopian life? There's got to be some <laughs> undercurrent running through it to add some spicy drama. Um, yeah, but but anyway, so thanks thanks everyone who submitted an answer. Um, yeah, that those were very fun. That was a lot there, but uh, that was like. Those were some of the best answers we've gotten. I had a great time reading. Yeah, those. definitely go through and check them out if you haven't. Um, if you haven't read through some of them, if you don't check out the discussion questions that frequently, because they're always great. And and there was obviously this was no different. Yeah, uh, and so that in fact leads us into our next discussion question. Our final um, discussion question, Elliot. Yeah, the last one. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be answering this in sixteen point thirteens uh, episode, Oof. and the the question we have for everyone 
this time is what does pact mean to you yeah there's um, actually i think it's no it, it's no secret it's had a big impact on our lives um, yeah and i guess as we hit the end of the story we want to know what has it uh, how, how has pact affected you or what does it mean to you yeah there's been some interesting discussion about this in the doof media discord as well of people thinking about and reflecting on especially people who are doing pact for their second time through of their thoughts of how it has their thoughts of how it has changed since they last saw it we kind of touched on this with the idea of the pacing question two discussion questions back but yeah I think it's worth thinking about in general like you know how how is pact affecting you whether it's your first time whether it's your second time whether it's your hundredth time how 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 has this story changed your life yeah yeah like i'm excited to see what what impact this story's had on everyone else because i'm sure i'm sure it's affected people uh just as strongly as it's hit us yeah um so leave your answers to that in our discussion threads which you'll find linked down in the show notes down below Yes, uh, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts slash, yeah, slash Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, that sort of puts us into the algorithm and gets more people to look at the show. Uh, and who knows, maybe they'll make it in time for the live stream. Yeah, if they're really quick listeners, they might even do it. Actually, have we checked? Is it possible? Is there is there enough <laughs> time right now for someone to listen through? There must be, surely, if they don't sleep. I don't think we've made two weeks worth of content. Yeah. Um, surely not. I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, they'd have to be pretty quick, but maybe they can skip ahead. Uh, we'll never know. It just, just you got to leave us that review. Um Especially because, you know, that might help with whatever comes after uh, Deep Impact. Yeah, totally. Um, we're coming towards the end now, and we've been talking about our 24-hour live stream for a while. It's not too late to leave us your thoughts on what kind of things you would like to see, what segments you're most excited about. Um, you can find all the information for that in our show notes down below. But, yeah, take a look, see what you're excited for, see what you might like to check out, and let us know. Yes. Uh, and, you know, if you want to... Uh, talk about fan art that isn't packed. I mean, why would you? That's f- that's fine. Um, uh, doofmedia.com is the place to go to get all the details on the Parahumans fan art contest that's yeah. currently running. Yeah, they totally. do accept packed fan art submissions, and in fact, everything that's packed related in there will almost certainly come up. Uh, in our in our segment, yes, in, in the all packed up stream. But uh, yeah, if if you if you are an artist, to head over there and and find out uh, how you can submit your parahumans and or packed thing. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be an or; it could be an and. Yeah, you could do Ooh, a crossover. A crossover, a crossover. Yeah, I like that. What would happen if Blake was a parahuman? Ooh, leave us the fan art. Let us. <laughs> he, want, let he, us he would not last very long. <laughs> I mean, I feel like prediction. he's the right level of messed up to like really connect quite well with his um with his yeah. shard. His shard would probably be like, guys, guys, you got to keep this I one alive. I found the great. perfect one, <laughs> guys. We finally found him after all these centuries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you like the content that we are making or that anyone on the Doof Media Network is making, why not chuck us a dollar or two, you know? It, it's it's not too much. Throw us a coin, eh, eh, Witcher? Um, if you go on over to patreon.com forward slash Doof Media, you can find out how to throw us some coins on there. Yes, uh, and don't forget, Wildbo has a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Wildbo. Um, I mean, if you're not reading Ward, first of all, you've got to go do mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because then what you're going to realize is you need to be donating to Wildbo because his stories kick ass uh, and we need to keep him writing. Yeah. Um, but that's it for us for this episode. Our next episode, the second last proper episode, the penultimate proper episode before this. St- before the live stream god it's so soon Elliot. oh my god that will be judgment 1612 and that's coming out on friday the 28th of feb so we will see you then see ya